welcome to the Path 11 podcast. Today's episode is going to be a segment of our Food for Thought Friday. I have a woman who I have looked up to through social media, uh, who happens to be a woman in my eyes to be very brave, in touch with her own vulnerability, uh, inspires me to want to tell more of my story. And I see bits and pieces of my story through hers. And our guest today is Tanya Markle. Some of you may know her from Thug Unicorn, uh, if you are a follower on Instagram, but she recently came out with a book called The She Book. So I have been following her probably for a year or two now, and I'm always screenshotting certain posts that she has and quotes, and she's just wonderful writer. For some reason, her words just completely resonate with me. Of course, I feel like she's writing for me because I'm in touch with everything that she says. I'm like, yes, that's so me, or yes, I needed that. I needed to hear that. And I remember one of the um, one of the poems or quotes, I, I call it a quote, but it's really one of the poems that we're going to be talking about, too, in her new book that I absolutely love that I felt like was written for me is uh, number 46 in her book. And it says to me, being spiritual means whispering to the trees, laughing with flowers, falling in love with sunsets, consulting the water and worshiping the stars, one hand to my heart, one hand to the earth and sparkles tons of them. So I am so excited that she has agreed to come on and speak with me and have a conversation. And uh, the book that just came out is called The She Book. And The She Book is a collection of 107 poems and prose written for you, because this is your year, she says, to live the life of your dreams, to heal, to witness, to be the one who queens. Once a silent star in the sky, lost, alone, and unnoticed, she began to dream her life awake. Sensitivity brought light to her dark side and vulnerability found words for what her heart felt but could not say. Pain helped her remember the power within her storm, the wisdom in her breakdowns, and the healing visions hidden within her moonlight nightmares. On her journey to shine from within her deepest ache, she blossomed from what felt like an insignificant twinkle to a blazing, awakening woman. Tanya, welcome to the Path 11 podcast. Thank you so much. That was a beautiful introduction. Wow. Wow. Thank you. Yes. Well, thank you. And, um, you know, it's funny. I know that the, um, the poem that I had written when I had gone to your website, it's actually highlighted right on your homepage. And I was like, <laughs> I, clearly I'm not the only one who absolutely loves this. But, um, <laughs> yes. Yeah. So I, um, I really wanted to have you on the show, uh, kind of for selfish reasons. You know, I saw that you wrote a book and I interview authors and I just thought, gosh, you know, if I had the opportunity to sit down with this woman and just learn more about her life and who she is and how you just got so inspired to be so brave, telling your truth, telling your story, kind of shining that light on those darker aspects that so many, so many of us, I think are afraid and vulnerable, um, to come out with and just continue to be inspired by you. That's why I wanted to uh, speak to you today. So I was, um, maybe just kind of hoping you can give our listeners a little bit of, of your background and how you came upon the spiritual path yourself. Ooh, that's a good question. Um, well, I started, I started writing poetry when I was about five years old. Um, I used to write lines on top of lines and I would call it a poem. And when I was six years old, I wrote my first book and that book was called 
little baby boohoo. And it was about a little girl who cried all the time. And that book was about me. Um, and then when I was eight, I wrote my second book and it was about a princess who was to go into the forest and find a lover so she could return home so she could be happy and return home. And the princess was my mother and she never found that lover and she never came home. So I have been using poetry and, you know, writing from a young age to kind of, I guess, I mean, digest um, my pain and to feel it and to kind of understand what has been happening inside of me. And I was an unwanted child. Um, my mother was 15 when she got pregnant and I can feel, I feel even from, you know, being in her womb, I can feel the, you know, the shame and the, the guilt and, and the regret that she felt. And that was kind of like my imprint coming into this world and on top of that, you know, I, I was abandoned by my mother and my father, um, both by the time I was two years old. So I was adopted by my grandparents and my grandfather died. He passed away when I was 10 and my grandmother followed five years later. Um, and within all of that, I, I come from a really low income family and a family that is like completely riddled with, um, addiction, with unprocessed, um, angst, with depression. Um, I have family members, you know, right now who are in and out of prison. I have family members who are, um, battling with heroin addictions, with alcoholism. So, this this awareness of of kind of my upbringing came to a real um, realization when when my grandfather died when when I was ten years old, and it was then at such a young age that I I realized how deep I could feel. I, I realized how sadness and loss and loneliness and confusion felt. And it was when my grandfather died that I, that I also realized how alone I was. You know, I didn't have a mother or father to go to. I didn't have anybody who really wanted me. So I, I was passed around um, to different family members who really didn't have the space or like the desire to raise me but could give me a room in their home and feed me, you know? Um, but it was when I was 10 that I stopped writing. I stopped writing altogether. And I didn't have the thought back then for why I just did. I stopped it because it was something, it was an outlet that made me feel. 
it was a mechanism that gave me a reflection for, you know, my reality. And because I was so young and I didn't have the tools, um, I didn't know how to process any of that. You know, I naturally went into the way to process these harder feelings from a young age. And I started writing from a young age and then I completely stopped and I didn't write, I, I wrote in my journal every now and then, but I didn't express myself, you know, creatively. I didn't take the time to explore the depths, you know, of my words, of, of my expression. And by some like grace of God, I got into college and I was the first uh, person of my family to go. And I racked up, you know, like $50,000 in loans and all of that. And I didn't have any guidance. You know, I knew that I wanted to be an artist. I knew that I wanted to um, write, but the guidance, like the counsel that I got from the university was to not go in that direction because it would be really hard to find a job and it would be really hard to make money. So I listened to that and I, I went on the path of journalism um, because they felt that that was a better um, career choice if I wanted to have a stable income, which is just crazy. Um, so I got a little, I got a little bit back to my writing, but I wasn't writing about myself. I was writing about other people. Um, so I would say about, gosh, 12 years ago, I took a chance. I said yes to the invitation to move to Denmark and I came to the North and my whole life just completely broke down. Like everything, all of my, everything that I thought about myself, everything that I had thought about life just crashed and burned. It crashed and burned in the biggest way possible. I lost my job and I was depressed. I was having, um, night frights. I was having anxiety attacks on beautiful, um, sunny days. And that was really when I had been practicing yoga and meditation for a while, but not really practicing, you know, it was more of a physical, um, practice to stay in shape. It wasn't, I didn't realize what was actually happening and it, and it was happening all those years before, which is why I led up to this, you know, huge crash. Um, but that's really when a spiritual practice for me started to awaken. And that's when I started to write again. Mm. And, and that was going to be one of my questions, too. I mean, um, aside from doing the Path 11 Productions, I'm also a mental health therapist. So, mm. you know, when I hear your story and also think about my own path and what brought me into my spiritual, uh, you know, awakening and even some of the reasons why I, too, am, a, you know, a therapist and went into this field uh, has to do with my entire family as well. <laughs> some similar mm. themes that we have here, you know, addiction to alcohol, to heroin, uh, low 
income, moving around, abandonment issues and things of that sort. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, so how, how do you feel like you really were able to kind of keep the pieces together? Because, you know, what I see in so many people and in myself, you know, I always get the feedback like, gosh, how, how could you be who you are and where you are today with your past? And how are you able to keep it together and be as successful as you are? Whereas there's maybe some people who, you know, kind of come into this world and they might have some of the same struggles as you and, and myself, and they may continue down that slippery slope of where they're really never able to fully get on that path. Um, and I'm just curious to know, like, and I think you're kind of getting into it a little bit, but, you know, after your grandparents died, you know, what was the glue for you to kind of get you into college? And, you know, maybe here you are in Denmark, but then kind of putting all the pieces together, what are some of those coping skills that you use to be able to like be alive, not commit suicide, not, um, yeah. not overdose on your own drugs, you know, what? I mean, I, I love that question so much because especially when, I mean, from the age of 10 years old, like emotional pain became this tremendous way of, of self-sabotaging myself. And it made me so apologetic for the space that I took up. And I was embarrassed about my story. And I was, I became really insecure about my authenticity and, um, the creativity that came natural for me. And, I entered a time of my life where I didn't like myself at all. I, despite knowing that I had something else to offer, you know, I've always known, even since I was a small child, that I have something to offer this life, that I have meaning in this world, but the self hatred that I had developed because of, um, my childhood kept me hidden. And I also, at the same time, hid my unhappiness, but that unhappiness kept me in crazy, toxic relationships in malnourished friendships and poisonous mindsets. And I let people think I was weak and my coping mechanism became letting people believe that I was someone else because the person that I was, nobody wanted. And I let myself do things that were so far out of alignment from the whole person that I was. Um, I became, you know, a people pleaser and a doormat. And I, I was like a and, and I was like a wallflower who was pretending to not be a wallflower. I became, I was an introvert who acted like an extrovert. And I was someone deep in emotional pain who pretended like nothing was wrong. I became the everything is fine, smiling to cover up my pain kind of girl. And instead of going to art class and like band, band class that I really wanted to go to, 
I became a cheerleader because the wounded child in me, I was so desperate to be seen. I was so desperate to be heard. I was so desperate for approval. And I put on this tremendous charade. And the crazy thing about it is like everybody believed it. Mm. I was, I was first runner up for homecoming queen. I was second runner up for prom queen. I was voted Miss Congeniality and not a single person, not even my best friend knew where I was coming from. And what they really didn't know is that I cried almost every day, that I had suicidal thoughts, that I utterly hated myself, that I was the kid who looked like I fit in, but I didn't fit in at all. And I believed so many lies about myself that I never thought I'd find my way home back to me. So that's the tool that I picked up was pretending to be someone else and completely ignoring, you know, the healing tool of writing that I knew. And, and I, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I have to say as well for myself that this wasn't necessarily unhealthy because I would say that me making that decision to focus on something that wasn't necessarily me, it, it really saved my life. It really saved my life. I wasn't in a place during those years, during those teenage years where I had, I didn't have a family support. I didn't have anybody of my bloodline to go to. I was still being, you know, rejected by my mother and father. And I lived in a house with two alcoholics, you know, so that, you know, becoming someone else really became my armor and it protected me until I was ready to feel again, to write again, and, and to allow myself to digest all that had been happening up until that point. So interesting as I'm, you know, listening to your story and two of the, um, I guess, would you call them chapters in your book? I know that they're listed one through 107, and we're going to talk about that 107. But mm. um, as I'm hearing this, and I didn't know the story beforehand, um, the two that touched me really deeply was seven and eight. Um, and I'd like to read them for our listeners. And number seven says, sometimes the scariest bridge to burn is the one between you and the person you thought you were. And so here I am hearing the story that you're telling. And clearly there was a point when you came to the writing again, and maybe it was during that breakdown in Denmark. I'd like you to talk a little bit more about when you kind of found that spiritual path. And number eight is a lot of what you're talking about here, where you say rejection taught her to let go of what didn't want her. Abandonment showed her how to stand on her own two feet. Betrayal awoke her intuition. Pain broke her heart wide open. Loneliness gave her permission to befriend herself. And when I, you know, read, when I read those two, and of course, putting myself as, you know, the person reading them and thinking of them in regards to my life, I would say that these two moments in your book would also be 
totally explain when some of my spiritual awakening came too. And it was definitely that bridge that you burn between the person who you thought you are and really the person that you, that you know you are. Yes. Yeah. So how, so tell us a little bit more about that breakdown in Denmark and how that kind of ignited you back to writing again and getting on the spiritual path. Yes. I would say, you know, I've been, I had been on a slow descent for a long time towards that crash. And I say, you know, it lasted for 15 10, yeah, 15, about 15 years, you know, until I really just completely let go. And it's just so ironic that I traveled to the North, you know, I put a giant, um, a giant salty ocean between my roots and myself, because that's what it took. The distance that I needed to be able to see myself without all that I had come from. And it took that also that distance and that space for me to feel the magic of it and to become grateful for it and to remember what I had always known since I was a small child that I had something else to give, you know? So this, crash that I had was, you know, it lasted for, it lasted for a while. And I tried to keep this secret, which was also, you know, an obvious, um, coping mechanism that I picked up as a child and a teenager, not having anybody to talk to or anybody, you know, approaching me, trying to talk to me about all the things that was happening in my life. So, um, I came to a point where I had to start reaching out. And I had to start talking about what was happening within me and my mental space and my heart space. And the women around me just started really showing up in my life in a, in a really, in a way that I had never experienced before. And, and that, that helped to, to crack me open. And I started practicing um, yoga. I started you know, practicing movement with my body in a different way than I had been practicing before. And I took a weekend workshop with this beautiful um, Swedish uh, teacher, and I just happened to show up to class a little bit early. And her and I were the only ones there. And she had asked me, you know, a question about, you know, what are you doing with your life? And I was like, I don't really enjoy what I'm doing. And she was like, well, what do you really want to do? And I said, I want to write. And all she said was, why don't you start writing? (laughs) As simple as that. (laughs) As simple as as that. And I had made it a huge thing. Of course it was a huge thing for me though. You know, it was a huge, it was a huge thing for me to go back to writing. Um, yeah, but it was as simple as that. And, and, after that weekend workshop, I, I became friends with, um, this teacher and that had, that was a huge pivotal, pivotal, pivotal turning point in my life. Um, self-care, my self-care like became a new thing. You know, I, I rose the bar there and I started to write again. And 
that, that attracted many different things. I started writing online. Um, gosh, yeah, like, uh, numbers are not clear in my brain during the month of September. I swear. It's like the clouds are moving too fast. You know, there's hurricanes in the oceans. The, the trees are changing numbers. Just, they don't stick in my brain right now. Um, I started writing again in 2009, like to the public, you know, I was writing on my own little blog and then I started submitting, um, to different online publications and, um, got into a really intense creative relationship with a person who I would say at the time I felt completely betrayed. Um, it was the biggest betrayal of my adult life. And I am so grateful for that experience. Like I always knew in that experience that even though what had happened was I felt wrong and um, for a short time I felt like a victim, but it was, it was also like, I would say the, the last straw that broke the camel's back, as they say, mm -hmm. <laughs> that really kicked me into gear because I was no longer associated with this brand and I had been putting all of myself into it, not in ways that were in alignment with me, but I was just so sucked into this toxic relationship that I, that it was just losing myself. But at the same time, I was gaining myself. Um, it's, it's hard to explain, but at the end, when we had left each other, when the final cord was cut, I was like, not F you, you know, I was like, thank you. And I found myself and I found my voice again and my writing just took another level. I became, I took another step towards being vulnerable. I took another step towards being raw. I took another step towards being unafraid of just expressing how I feel in a public way and not doing it because I wanted likes or approval or anybody to feel sorry for me. But I know that in my constitution, like the way that I function, my words and my stories need a place to live. And I feel like those stories and those words want to be shared with others around me, like-minded, like-hearted, like stories, just, you know, people who can relate um, to emotional pain. Thank you for listening to this free preview. To hear the rest of this episode in its entirety, visit our Patreon site at patreon.com slash path 11 and become a supporter today. When you pledge as little as a dollar per month as a Patreon supporter, you gain access to exclusive interviews, regularly produced guided meditations, future episodes of our weekly podcast before anyone else, and you can also watch our new TV show, Conversations on the Path. This is a one-on-one -on -one conversation with interesting people working on interesting projects. 
Again, that's patreon.com slash path11. Pledge your support today and help us change the world.